Hey, Victory Church, I am so excited that you guys are here and tuning in for this service. Yeah, Pastor Mike is out this week, but we got the privilege to hear from Pastor Jonathan Portillo, our worship pastor, who took the stage to talk about how Jesus is in your boat. Check it out. Good morning, Victory Church. What's going on? How are you guys doing this beautiful Sunday morning? Hey, I'm so glad if you're with us, whether you're here in person or you're watching online, welcome to Victory Church. I'm so glad that you are with us today. Listen, if this is your first time joining us, I want to say thank you. Thank you for checking us out. Thank you for stopping by. Honestly, you could be anywhere this Sunday morning, but you are here. And can I tell you, it's not by accident. It's not by happen chance. You are here because God has an encounter prepared just for you, and he wants you to experience his presence. So welcome home. Come on, can we give a big welcome to all of our first-time guests? Hallelujah. Well, as you can probably tell from the video and the facial hair and all that stuff, I am not Pastor Mike. Uh, my name is Pastor Jonathan Portillo. I'm the worship pastor, and I've got, like he said, the honor and privilege to share the word with all of y'all today. <laughs> what's, what's Pastor Mike been saying these last couple weeks? He says, I'm Pastor Mike Ware, and I'm your backup quarterback, so I guess that makes me third string. Like, <laughs> I'm just here to punt the ball, get a field goal, maybe. Don't worry, this today's Super Bowl Sunday is the last football Sunday of the season. All the football jokes will end today. But then March Madness is right around the corner, so get ready for some point guard jokes and all that good stuff. It'll be great. Listen, I'm excited to be with you all, and I'm ready to share the word. If you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, you know we just finished up our, our sermon series, Stressed Out. Somebody say stressed out. stressed out. Nice, that's good. All right, good, good. Easy. I don't even have to convince you guys. This is going to be fun. Uh, if you missed that, I want to encourage you, go check out our YouTube channel, Victory Denver, uh, and make sure you watch that. Make sure you watch all of the series. It's a four-part, three-part series, uh, and it's wonderful. Pastor Mike had some great insight in how to manage our stress, how to really find and keep our peace, how to turn our wishful thinking into actual hope in Jesus, and how to push through with determination and perseverance. It was a great, great series. How many of you guys were blessed by that last series? Amen. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. I know I was, and I, I really feel encouraged and prepared to handle any new stresses that come into my life. Plus, there's just something about Pastor Mike's southern accent that just makes you feel like everything's going to be okay, right? It's, it's like sweet molasses, sweet molasses. I, I don't know how you, it just makes you feel so much peace. Now listen, today's sermon may not be tied into stressed out, but it did draw some inspiration out of that series. Today I want to share with you all a message that comes from one of my favorite Bible stories, the story of Jesus calming the storm while they're out in the sea. Such a simple passage, and yet every single time I read it, I find something new, something fresh, something that I can apply to whatever season of life I am in. So it's, it's really become one of my favorites over the years. Uh, if you're in my small group, where's my small group people out? Raise your hand. Yeah, I see you guys. Love it. If you're in my small group, by the way, if you're not in a small group, quick plug, get plugged in. Get into a small group. After service, go to small group wall, find a group that fits your season of life, and join a community. I can't tell you how much difference it's made in my life and my wife's life. Guys, am I lying, small group folks? I'm telling you the truth. Get into a small group, get connected, get plugged in. It's great. Anyways, if you're in my small group, at some point, you've probably heard me mention this story in one, in one aspect or another because it really is one of my favorites. To give you all a recap of what's happening, you know, Jesus just got finished preaching uh, to a multitude and he tells his disciples, hey, you know what, I want to go to the other sea of Galilee, let's, let's jump in a boat, let's cross the sea, let's get to the other side. So they do, Jesus leads them onto a boat, while they're out at sea, he takes a nap and, 
And while he's sleeping, this giant storm comes in and starts, you know, tossing the boat side to side and waves are crashing and the disciples are scared out of their minds so they wake up Jesus and he wakes up and calms the storm and, and that's, that's it. You know, that's kind of the gist of the story. But one of the interesting things that stands out to me about the story is that we see it in multiple different gospels. We don't see it just one time. We actually see it in Matthew 8. We see it in Mark 4 and we see it in Luke 4. All, th- all three of these gospels share this story and, and maybe because they were traumatized by the storm, but I actually think it's because it's, uh, there's something important to be found in this story. How many of you guys know that if God is repeating himself, if we're seeing something in the Bible time and time and time again, it's because we need to pay attention, right? It's like when your boss suggests <laughs> that you should do something a different way. It's, it's a suggestion, but is it, is it really? It's, but it's not, right? You, it's, it's, it's a suggested, it's a Order disguised as a suggestion. Uh, and that's how I feel about the story, right? God is, he brought it multiple times. He repeated it multiple times so that we would pay attention and grasp something important. Amen? So today I want to read out of Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open that up with me. If you're on the Bible app like most people are nowadays, go ahead. Bookmark it, save it, highlight it. But it says this. It says, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and they woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? The title, I want to give to, the title I want to give today's message is Facing the Storm. Somebody say that with me. Say, Facing the Storm. How many of you guys have been in a bad storm before? Show of hands. All right. A few of you guys, a few of you guys out there. Where's all my Florida people at? Florida people, let me see your hands. If you, guys, <laughs> if you guys are watching from Florida, go ahead and put that on the chat. Man, Florida people, you guys, you guys get some storms out there. I mean, I got to tell you guys, Florida is like a whole other world, right? Like they even have their own superhero, Florida man. I always see him on the news. Florida man does this. Florida man does that. Uh, and listen, Florida people, they're, they're all, you guys are built different, man. It's a whole other breed of people because what we call a category two hurricane, they're like, oh, it's an afternoon shower. You know, it's a, it's a light affliction. This too shall pass. Personally, I've never been in a big storm out at sea, uh, but I have been at the beach on the coast during a pretty major tropical storm. Uh, a, number of, a number of years ago, I was stationed in Guantanamo, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, uh, and while I, was there, while I was there, there was a big, massive, you know, tropical storm, and, and I was obviously on the coast, but I could see out into the water, and I could see lightning striking the water. I could see these massive waves just, they looked like they would swallow cities entirely. The wind was blowing back and forth. It looked like it was going to rip all the trees out of their roots. It, it was terrifying. And I, I mean, I wasn't even in the storm. I was kind of off to the distance, seeing it far away, but still, it was terrifying. And I imagine that the storm the disciples are facing right now is even bigger than that storm. See, the Bible doesn't give us a metric. It doesn't say, well, it's a, you know, it's a category two hurricane or anything like that. All it says is that the boat was being filled with water, being swamped by the waves, and also that the disciples were scared to death of this storm. And that right there is our indication of how truly massive this storm was. Because you got to remember, these guys, some of these guys are professional fishermen, right? They're, they're straight out of the dangerous, the most, what is it, the dangerous catch? What's that wildest? Yeah, deadliest catch. Thank you. I don't watch it, but I know what, I know what it is. 
Those guys are fishermen. They've been out on the sea. They've been through storms. They've faced it before, and, and, and this was nothing new. But for some reason, this storm terrified them, and it brought fear into their lives. So picture this, right? They're out at sea. The waves are crashing into the boat, filling it with water. The winds are tearing the sails back and forth. The disciples are running around trying to get control of everything. You know, they're, they're pulling on ropes and steering the, the boat, and they're trying to save the boat and save themselves. And as they're looking around, they look back and Where's Jesus? Mark 4.38 says, but he was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Jesus is taking a nap. This boat is about to be flipped, turned over, sunk, and Jesus is napping. And listen, I got to be honest with you guys. I don't blame him, right? He had just finished preaching to this giant multitude, and he was tired. Quite frankly, Sunday's afternoon, all I want to do is take a nap as soon as we're done. I was like, babe, turn off all the lights, put the baby to sleep. I'm going to go take a nap for a bit. Put the baby to sleep, that, that's me. <laughs> so, so this massive storm is happening all around them, and the disciples are terrified, and Jesus is sleeping. But I've got a theory, and I, before I even jump into this, I want to clarify that it is just a theory. It's not, it's not commentary. It's not something from Bible college. It's not doctrine or theology. It's just a theory that Pastor Jonathan has, and he may or may not be right. But I think... That Jesus wasn't sleeping. I think he was awake the whole time. I think he was pretending to nap to see how the disciples would react to the storm. And here's why, right? Matthew 8, 23 says, and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. This was his idea. He was leading them. It was his trip. I don't know about you guys, but when I invite my friends on a road trip, I'm not like, hey, guys, let's go to El Paso and get some good food. You drive. I'm going to sleep in the back seat the whole way. <laughs> of course not. If that's you, please don't ever invite me on any of your road trips. <laughs> I'm not a fan of driving long distances. So I really think, I think he must, you know, he was pretending to see, kind of, you know, showing through his eyes, seeing what are they going to do. Are they going to trust me? Are they going to freak out? What's going to happen? Uh, and listen, I know some of you guys are thinking, well, but Pastor Jonathan, if your theory is correct and Jesus was just pretending to be asleep, then if he was leading the disciples, then he knew the storm was coming, then he led them to the storm. Yeah, right? Because nothing catches Jesus off guard. He's not surprised by something. He didn't wake up and like, oh, my, my bad. I didn't, my, I'm sorry, I didn't realize there was a storm coming. No, he knew exactly what was happening. He knows every storm that's out there. He knows every wave that crashed into the boat. He knows how strong the winds were going to be. He knew everything they were going to say, think, do, every single experience they were going to suffer, all of it. He knew it. Oh, Psalms 139 16 says, your eyes saw me when I was inside the womb. All of the days of my life were recorded in your scroll before even one of them became existence. He knew they were going to hit that storm and still he called them to follow him onto that boat. This is where it comes real for, some, for most of us, right? He knows you're going to face some storms. He knows you're going to face some waves and some strong winds and still he says, follow me into this boat. How many of you guys have experienced that in your life, right? You know, we've been following Jesus, we've been obeying him, we've been trusting in him, and then all of a sudden, we find ourselves in this storm that seems to come out of nowhere. This random storm, I know some of you guys may be living that right now, right? You're facing a storm in your marriage and you're scared that your marriage is gonna sink. 
You're watching the waves of financial burden come over you and you're scared that you might drown. You're, you're feeling the raging winds of your mind tearing away your peace, tearing away your comfort, your mental health, and you're scared of what's to come. And as you look around, you hope to see Jesus, you know, steering the boat, fixing the sail, getting you out of trouble because after all, he told you to follow him. And instead, you see him napping while all this is going on around you. But can I tell you, you too can find the peace to nap in the storm. You too can find the peace to nap in spite of the storm if you just remember what I'm trying to share with you guys today. Amen? Three things I want you to remember next time you're in the storm. Number one, there will always be a storm. Say that with me. Say, there will always be a storm. Most of you guys know me, if you know me at all, you know that I'm not a shy person, right? I'm not the timid, you know, what's a gentle giant, whatever. I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, guys? No, not at all. Like, I'm, very, I'm very vocal. I'm very kind of in your face. Uh, and I love to talk to people. Every chance I get, I love to talk to people. So whether that's my barber, my waiter, my per- the person sitting next to me on the flight, my, the, the teller at the bank, the cashier at Target, it doesn't matter. I love talking to people. And if we were in conversation long enough, eventually it'll come up that I'm a pastor. You know, hey, so what do you do? Oh, well, I do this. What about you? Oh, well, I'm a pastor. And 99% of the time, I get the same reaction. Oh, oh, you're a pastor. Okay. I don't really believe in God. If God was real, why would he let all these bad things happen? How many of you guys have heard that before? Right? We've all heard that. If God was real, why does he let bad things happen? And honestly, some of us have thought that too. God, if you're with me, why am I going through this storm? God, if you're for me, why am I suffering this way? God, if you do exist and you do care about me, why do I feel like I'm drowning? See, we seem to think that God's number one priority is making sure that bad things don't happen to us. We think that his first and only responsibility is keeping us out of storms, keeping us out of trouble. And so then when we do end up in a storm, we get frustrated or even angry with God, right? He's our heavenly father. And so we think, well, he's my father. It's his job to keep me out of storm. It's his job to keep me out of trouble. But every father in this room knows that's not the case. It's not my job as a father to keep my daughter out of trouble. That's your mom's job. Moms, right? Like, moms are always like, don't eat that. Put that down. Don't pull the dog's tail. Get out of the mud. Get that out of your mouth. And, and dads are like, yeah, that's, that's pretty funny. Like, she's fine. It's dirt. It's going to be okay. See, God's job isn't to keep us out of storms or to keep us away from pain. And he never said that that's what he was going to do anyways. We're the ones that put that expectation on God. We're the ones that said, God, well, here's, here's a dotted line. You said you would never, you know, let me face a storm, and God never agreed to that. In fact, God actually promised us the opposite. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. He said, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He said, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He said, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange is happening to you. Time and time again, we see storms, affliction, suffering, and pain. It's all part of life when you're following Jesus. There will always be another storm. I know you guys are like, oh my God, what is God?" Listen, Jesus never promised to keep you out of the storm. 
He never promised to keep you away from pain, but he did promise he'd be with you in the storm. He did promise he wouldn't forsake you in the storm. He did promise that he would be by your side through every single storm. Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Matthew 28.20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In this world, John 16.33, in this world, you will face tribulation, but take hope. I have overcome the world. When you realize that storms will come and go, but he will never pass. He will never forsake you. You can face any storm that comes your way with confidence and certainty that you will make it through. See, because a storm doesn't mean God isn't with you. A storm doesn't mean God has forsaken you. A storm is just there to remind you that he is in control. Through Every single storm that may and will come, he is in control. Can I get an amen today? Number one, there will always be a storm. Number two, God is more concerned with the storm going on inside of you than the storm going on around you. We just read this. Matthew chapter 8 verse 25 says, And they went and they woke him saying, Save us, Lord. We are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. This is one of my favorite parts. I love this whole story. Every every part's my favorite part, but this part is one of my favorite parts. See, the disciples, they're scared. They're concerned. They're afraid. Everything's going on around them. The waves are crashing. The wind is blowing. They're scared out of their minds, and so they do what any one of us would have done. They go, and they wake up Jesus. And Jesus, well, he's, he's not too happy about that. And again, not because they woke him, although I can't reiterate, do not wake up a pastor on a Sunday nap. My wife's right there. She knows. She knows. Lock the door. Turn off the lights. He'll, he'll be down in a couple hours. Minutes. Sorry, minutes. <laughs> he's not mad because they woke him from his Sunday nap. He's mad because of their lack of faith. What does he say? Matthew eight twenty six says, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? He's mad because the disciples are scared of the storm, even though he's right there in their boat. See, to Jesus, the storm that's happening around them, that's not really a concern. Obviously, he's snapping through the whole thing. No, to Jesus, the real concern is the lack of faith of the disciples. The problem isn't the storm going on around them. The problem is the storm going on inside of them. The problem, not the, the problem isn't the storm going around you. The problem is a storm going on inside of you. See, when we worry, when our faith is lacking, when we think there's no hope, when we have lost all of our confidence, not in ourselves, but what Jesus can do, that is when Jesus rebukes us. Because get this, to Jesus, the problem is rarely the problem. To us, yeah, that's the problem, right? The problem is the problem. What I'm facing, that's the problem. My marriage falling apart, that's the problem. My financial crisis, that's the problem. My sickness, that's the problem. My lacking mental health, that's the problem. But to Jesus, none of that's the problem. To Jesus, our reaction to the problem is the problem. And we see that in the story. We see that the disciples wake him and he rebukes them first. Before he even acknowledges the storm, he rebukes them first. Why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. 
he, it's almost like if the storm going on around them is, is an afterthought to Jesus. He's like, why are you, oh, right, turn off the wind, bring the waves down to two, dial it down. I got to deal with these knuckleheads real quick. Why are you afraid? Mark 4.40 said, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? He focuses his attention on them before he even acknowledges the storm. He rebukes their lack of faith and then... He resolves their problem. See, because this isn't the first time the disciples have been around Jesus. This isn't the first time they've seen him do something amazing. No, up until this point, they've seen him heal a leper. They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen him preach to multitudes. They've seen him heal multiple, multiple sick people. And still their faith is lacking. How many of us can relate to that? I I know I can. I know I can. I feel it's almost as if we think we're going to run out of miracles one day. Like God gave us five, everybody gets five, and up until this point I've used, well, he healed my mom, he gave us a baby, he paid our bills, I'm down to two, and I'm only 30, I'm down to two miracles, and I'm, what's, I got to hold on to them. It's as if we think God's going to run out of power one day and say, sorry, bud, I could, I could have saved you the last nine storms, but this tenth one, this is where I'm capped out. As of all the great things he's done in our lives and in the lives of those around us, as of all those miracles were just a one-time thing. And Jesus is saying, why are you still afraid? Why do you still not have faith? Have you not seen me do this before? Trust me, I got this. He said, I've done it before, I can do it again. I've calmed the storm before, I can do it again. I've raised the dead before, I can do it. Oh, come on, somebody had to praise God today. He's healed you, he's saved you, he can do it again. Come on, we sing that song, you know, we sing it full of faith. We say, I've seen you move. Come on, somebody say, you move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. We sing that full of faith and yet... Do we actually believe that? Do we trust that he brought us this far and he's not going to leave us right here? Do we believe that he is still the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow? Do we believe that what he has done before, he can do again? Do we believe that he can calm the storm once again? Philippians 1.6 says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. If Jesus isn't back yet, that means he's not done working. If you're still breathing, that means there's still hope in your life. If you're still moving around, Jesus still has a job to finish in you. Can I get an amen? You gotta trust him. You gotta trust him. If you can calm the storm inside of you, he can calm the storm around you. Number two, his, I'm sorry, number three, I was like, wait a minute, one, two, three, thank you. <laughs> Math is not my forte, that's why I became a pastor. <laughs> Number three, he's, his presence is greater than my storm. That's, that'll preach. That's it, I, that's it. His presence is greater than my storm. Somebody say that. Say, his presence is greater than my storm. Say it like you mean to say, his presence is greater than my storm. Amen. Okay, you guys sound like you're believing it, like, you're, like faith is rising up inside you. 
The other day as I was preparing to preach, uh, I was preparing myself and I was preparing my notes and kind of getting everything together. Uh, and I knew I wanted to preach about this topic. I wanted, I wanted to preach about Jesus being in the boat and, and calming the storm. So in preparation, uh, I was watching Moana and <laughs> not by myself. I've got a daughter now. It's just a free pass. <laughs> She's eight months old and has no idea what's going on, but still <laughs> free pass. I was watching Moana, seriously, and this scene comes up where, you know, she's, she's got to go complete some mission, and she's out on the water, and, you know, she's a newbie, and, and she falls asleep, and she loses her direction, and she, she wakes up, she's like, oh, I'm going the wrong way, I got to correct myself, correct my trajectory, and, and go the right way, so she tries to steer her boat, and she overcorrects, and her boat ends up flipping into the water, and, I, right, <gasps> he understands the dire of the situation, <laughs> And, and immediately, as soon as she tips into the water, the clear sky becomes gray, and this massive storm comes over her. And she's fighting, and she's trying to, to flip her boat to get back into her boat, and she's struggling, and she's struggling, and, and watch the movie. I won't spoil the rest of it for you. <laughs> See, but what Moana realized, <laughs> I never thought I'd say that in a sermon. <laughs> of all the things... <laughs> What Moana, sorry, what Moana realized and what most of us know at some point, just by pure instinct, is that the safest place to be in the storm is in the boat. See, and I'm sure the disciples knew that, at least in theory. They knew logically, they knew in their mind that the safest place for them was in this boat. But for some reason, this storm, even in this storm, they didn't feel safe, even in the boat. They look back and they see Jesus, instead of being up and about, you know, trying to fix the sails, trying to help them correct the boat, they see him sleeping, and so they start to fear, they start to feel insecure, they start to feel unsafe. They felt as if the storm they were facing was greater than Jesus in their boat. And we've all felt that at some point or another. We know in our minds and logically that Jesus is on our side, and we know that he is for us. We know that he is in our boat, but then the storm hits, and we don't see him immediately jump into action. We don't see him right away get up and start trying to fix the correction of the boat and try to get us out of the storm, and so we begin to doubt, and we begin to fear. We begin to think, well, yeah, that's great that he's in the boat, but is it enough? I mean, he's napping. He's not even doing anything. What good is it if he's in my boat, but he's asleep? See, the disciples were scared of because of Jesus' inaction, and they felt unsafe, even with him in the boat. They thought, they thought to themselves, well, we think, yeah, well, that's great that he's in the boat, but he's asleep. He's not even doing anything. Does he even know that we're going through a storm? Does he even know the trials that we're going through? And if he does know, does he even care? Mark 4.38 says, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? The disciples were scared that Jesus being in the boat wasn't enough. They were scared because they didn't see him do anything. They didn't see him jump into action, and so they thought he didn't care about them perishing. Listen, just because you don't see him moving right away doesn't mean he's not moving at all. Just because you don't see him jumping up into action right away doesn't mean he doesn't care. Don't catch this. Don't confuse his inaction for indifference. I'm going to say that one more time. Don't confuse his inaction for indifference. 
If Jesus isn't concerned by the raging storm around your boat, as long as he's in your boat, you don't need to be concerned either. If Jesus is in your boat, you don't need to worry about the storm. If he's in your boat, you best believe that you are not going to sink. If he is on your side, it doesn't matter what comes against you, you will not lose. Isaiah 47, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Somebody ought to praise God today. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And let me rephrase that. Greater is he who is in my boat than the storm going on outside my boat. His presence is greater than my storm. His presence is greater than my sickness. His presence is greater than my failing marriage. His presence is greater than my financial hardship. His presence is greater than my depression, than my anxiety. His presence is greater. Come on, if you believe that today, you ought to give praise to God. It doesn't matter the storm you're facing. His presence is greater. And as long as Jesus is in your boat, you do not have to fear any of the storms that may come your way. Because Jesus is in your boat. Somebody say that with me. Say, Jesus is in my boat. That's right. That's right. We believe that today. We grasp hold of that truth. And we know no matter what storm may come, we're not sinking. Because he is in our boat. Friends, we can't predict the storm. We can't predict how long they're going to last. We can't predict how big they're going to be. We can't predict when it's going to come. All we know is that they will come. But we can also Rest assured that when that storm comes, Jesus will be right there with us. That he won't forsake us in the storm. He has promised to be with us and never leave us. Joshua 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you may go. Amen. A few weeks ago, about a month ago now, my, my daughter was sick, and it wasn't, it wasn't anything big. It wasn't like, I mean, it was just normal baby sickness, right? Like, she's around other kids. She picks up all these germs and gets sick. Kids are gross. Like, kids are nasty, and they've, they've got a bunch of germs, and your kids, not my kid. My kid's great. <laughs> and so she picked up something, and, she, you know, she had the sniffles and stuff. And, again, nothing new, but still, as new parents, it was stressful for Kim and I. And then to make things worse, halfway through her sickness, I get sick. So then Kim's dealing with two sick babies, and it's, it's not good. But I remember one night in particular, Melody was having a hard time sleeping, and, and you know, she, was, she kept coughing because she had all this mucus buildup in her throat and in her lungs. And, and every time she'd catch her breath from one cough attack, another one would start, and, and I could see the frustrations just start to build up in her eyes. She was crying, not knowing what was causing this pain, what was causing this discomfort, what was causing all of this. All, that she, all she knew was that she couldn't breathe normally and she didn't like it. So I remember picking her up, you know, and I just started to rub her back in her chest, trying to clear the congestion. And I could see, you know, this expression of confusion in her eyes, like, what's happening? What's going on? And not knowing what to do at this point, I just, I just began to wipe the tears from her eyes and 
and caress her little cheek and I begin to lower her and say, hey, it's okay. It's okay, daddy's got you. I'm right here. Daddy's with you. You're gonna be okay. And she may not have understood the words I was saying, but she could feel the stillness in my voice and she began to calm down. She began, she began to feel relaxed, feel comforted by her father's still reassuring voice and the security of being in her father's arms. And it just painted such a beautiful picture for me of the father in us. We go through these storms in life and we don't understand why. We don't understand what's causing the pain. We don't understand why we're suffering. And he looks at us with just love in his eyes and he says, hey, it's okay. Daddy's right here. Daddy's got you. I'm not letting go. I'm not leaving your side. Yeah, this storm, it's rough. But we're going to get through this together, you and me. And I, and I was just moved by that image of God just saying, I'm with you through every single storm. I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked. We're going to get through this together. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Listen, as long as Jesus is in your boat, it doesn't matter what storm you face. It doesn't matter what comes your way. You will not sink. You will make it through. But I know there's some of you out there right now that are saying, well, what if he's not in my boat? What if I'm out in the sea by myself and the storm comes? Well, friend, today's the day. Today's the day to invite Jesus onto your boat and say, you know what? I don't know how to steer. I don't know, how, I don't know what I'm doing. I want you to come and navigate my boat. I want to feel the peace of knowing you are in this boat called life with me. Come on, if that's you right now, go ahead and raise your hands. If you're watching online, go ahead and put in a hand emoji saying, I want Jesus to be in my boat. Thank you. Thank you. I want to lead you in this prayer. And listen, I, I need you to know it's not my words that make the difference. It's not my words that save you. It's your faith behind them. It's your surrender behind them that invites Jesus into your life. Everybody go ahead and close your eyes. Just right there where you are, just pray this out with me. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my boat. I invite you into my life. I invite you to be part of me. No longer do I want to face storms by myself. No longer do I want to be out at sea by myself. I want you to be with me. I want to have your peace. I want to have the security of knowing that you are for me, you are with me, and nothing can prosper against me as long as you are on my side. Say, I surrender my life. I surrender my will. I surrender everything that I have, and I give it to you. And I proclaim that you are Lord and Savior in my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says amen. Come on, let's give a praise to God for everybody that made that commitment today.
It is so encouraging to hear that our God doesn't run out of miracles. It isn't five and then that's it for you. Our God keeps having more miracles for us. Yes, that's right. And if this message impacted you at all, share it with a friend, post it on social media. Be sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Victory Denver and follow us on social media at Victory Denver throughout your week. We'll see you later. 